1: To the 142nd edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. and a quick draw across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton.
2: What's up, guys? I'm uh, finally jazzed up to uh, to get into the off-season shows. If you follow me on Twitter, at CoachBurton36, you'll see that I've been very active the last few days, uh, especially today. Uh, there's a YouTube video I'll put out. Uh, for my team, if you want to see how our off-season program is going, just log on and uh, click Play. So, uh, But I'm excited to see what we have in store for today, and uh, it's going to be a good show. So stay tuned and buckle up.
1: All right. Well, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't introduce the third amigo in the second city, a man who is as serious about his biathlon as he is about his college football. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and counting, Josh Cook.
0: I mean, it's the best sport to win Olympics try and disprove it I,
1: I i can't i can't uh are josh are you are better shooter prone or standing
0: <laughs> uh probably prone although i must say all i've been using are some nerf guns
1: oh uh, well
0: right
1: I, have you set up uh, five targets equidistant away from you trying to <laughs> try to pop them down in succession make yourself run an extra lap if you don't hit it
0: I might have to start doing that. That sounds fun. That sounds like a good way to get back into shape, get my uh, summer bod going.
1: I know. I know. It's it's never too early to start thinking about that. So, all right. Well, uh, as Coach alluded to early, earlier, today's show going to be a little bit of a different format. Um, you know, we're not talking any pressing issues. It's the off-seasons. There are no games. So... Uh, being the off season, we thought we would take the opportunity to jump into what is the hottest topic in football, from Pop Warner all the way up to the NFL, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is the RPO or the Run Pass Option. Uh, we are, uh, you know, it is you. If you watch the Super Bowl, you saw the ad nauseum coverage of uh, how much RPO the Eagles and Nick Foles used to win that game. And I think that there's a lot of stuff out there about the RPO, but I don't think a lot of it is described very well. And so fortunately for us, our own offensive coordinator, our own coach, Corey Burton, happens to run a ton of RPO in his offense. So uh, we we thought that would be a great opportunity uh, to have the perfect guy in our coach guide us through the basics of running the RPO what it means, what are the basic principles of it, and sort of lay out sort of how we got here and what it means going forward. And so uh, we've already established RPO stands for run pass option. And so, uh, Corey, uh, I'm going to start, uh, start w- with a question uh, for you, I guess. And uh, the question is, what is the advantage to running the RPO?
2: Well, the advantages. Um really just kind of fit into the philosophy. And there's there's a lot of different levels uh, philosophy-wise why you would do a, a run-pass option. Uh, first and foremost, it puts your second and third level defenders in conflict, which what I mean by second and third level defenders is your linebackers and your defensive backs uh, kind of makes them play a little bit slower. Uh, it protects your run game because those linebackers are playing slower or if you're picking on a safety or corner – it forces them to play slow, or it and, and really uh, and building off that, it makes the defenders uh, defend a full width of the field. Uh, it usually opens up really good and clear run lanes or really good and clear pass lanes. Uh, it's really difficult to defend both. Um, your offensive line can be aggressive. Um, it's a good way to run a pass play with aggressive run blocking, so that um, defenders come down and honor the run. And it and it really opens up the, the when I say intermediate, uh, I'm talking like the 8 to 12-yard range on the field uh, in the passing game. And uh, it allows your wide receivers to run routes instead of blocking. Everybody knows wide receivers are divas, and they just do not like to block. Um, so it allows you to do that. Now, one thing I'm going to clarify before I let you guys fire away with some questions is that in the Super Bowl, I think Chris Collinsworth broke the record for how many times you can say RPO. (laughs) Now, uh, if you're Chris Collinsworth or if you're anybody on that NBC Sports Mm -hmm. production team, you need to listen to this podcast because this one factoid right here will help you discern the difference in a run-pass option and a play-action pass. Uh, If the the offensive line is not making any effort to get up the field and block in the run game, it is a play-action pass. Uh, right. And the Eagles did a lot of that too. They did probably just as much play action as they did RPO. And I can see to the, you know, with the speed of the game and somebody who's not as familiar with RPOs could kind of, you know, you see run pass option and you think it's uh, a run fake. Okay. It's, a, it's an RPO now, but it's not necessarily the case, but uh, there's a razor's edge difference, but there is a difference. So, um, I hope I kind of explained the, the philosophy of, of kind of why uh, you want to do that. Okay. Well, well,
1: one of the things that you mentioned was putting a defender in conflict, and so I, mm-hmm. I, I think that one of the, sort of the central tenets of from my from my reading up on and talking to you about the RPO is uh, the, the conflict defender, and so why so how you identify a conflict defender, why it's important, and what you know and. Uh, you know why is this conflict defender so important for especially for the quarterback it's his job to identify the conflict defender, correct?
2: Well, um, the conflict de- defender is defined by the scheme, um, defined by a specific run scheme like an, on an inside zone, uh, which inside zone is basically just whatever direction you you tag and whatever play calling your system uses, um, everybody has different ways of calling an inside zone. Uh, so basically what an inside zone is, is your your offensive lineman are going to take a 45-degree angle, uh, take three steps, and block the first person they see. Now there's millions of different ways to kind of scheme up and, uh, and block the uh, – basically it's five on five. Well, if you have a six-man box, you know, there's always one defender that's going to be unblocked. And usually by design – Uh, With RPOs, it usually allows you to leave one of the inside linebackers unblocked, and allows you to pick on them. Now, typically, it's the backside inside linebacker, so that would that guy would be named Will. All right, that's your most common conflict player, Um, but it really just depends on who you want to pick on. A lot of teams like to run outside zone and pick on a safety. You know, they like to run a vertical right by the safety, and if the safety comes down aggressively. On your on your outside zone then you just pull it and and, and pop the uh, the go route the vertical route that just went by uh, a lot of people like to run slants and what's called and, and a concept called stick which uh, typically a tight end will run and replace your conflict linebacker and if that linebacker stays then you just go ahead and give the ball and it just the basically the linebacker is blocked uh, because he had to uh, Honor the uh, the route that was coming at him, so he opens up a run lane by not by not filling his gap that he's responsible for, or if he fills the gap that he's responsible for, throw it right by his ear to the tight end that just replaced him. So um, it really just causes him to sit and really just play extremely slow. But um, typically, depending on what you're running, the conflict defender is defined by that scheme. Like in a in a power scheme where you're pulling people. Uh, typically, it's going to be the backside defensive end. Um, and uh, sometimes it's going to be – but most of the time, it's going to be your backside inside linebacker. Most All right. Common.
1: So one of the things about the R- the RPO um, is that you're essentially uh, you're essentially calling, what, two or three plays uh, before you go to the line of scrimmage. Is that how it works? Because oftentimes I know that, like, you know, half the line will be run blocking, half the line will be pass blocking.
2: Right? Well, in a – in a true RPO, um, the only person that knows that there's two plays on is the quarterback and mm-hmm. the receivers. The offensive line is, you know, if you call, and a lot of people will call it, uh, especially the up tempo teams, will call it with one word, mm-hmm. and that one word uh, for the offensive lineman it means one play. For the quarterback, it means you know this one word could mean this route. Like let's say, let's say you have uh spider man and Batman well for the offensive line that's inside, both of those are inside zone a lot of, a lot of teams will put like families mm-hmm. like they'll they'll group like words like superheroes uh, like, in this case like superheroes would be inside zone gas stations would be power um mm-hmm. you know S- uh,
1: states would be something else
2: st- states would be counter or vi- you know and then mm-hmm. um different animals would be trap or whatever the case may be, whatever fits in your system, uh, whatever helps the kids learn the best. Uh, but these up-tempo teams, so all they have to do is yell, Superman, and the offensive line here, Superman, they know to block inside zone. And uh, they'll go, and then a lot of times you'll you'll pair up two like concepts even further and have one word for this to the right and one word for this to the left. And everybody knows that. I hear Superman. I got you know. I know my job, and the offensive line blocks inside zone, and then the receivers may run some sort of quick screen, uh, and you know you, you know the, the read is a leverage read. Hey, can my two beat their two? And if so, I'm just going to pull off the run right now and throw it out there. If not, I'm just going to go ahead and give it. And and that's that's another way of reading it out. But as far as play calling goes. Um, People are trying to simplify the verbiage and trying to cut down on the verbiage because if you know anything about NFL play calls, they're extremely long, but you don't see a lot of NFL teams trying to snap the ball every eight seconds. So um, they can do that kind of stuff. But when, when you're, when you're trying to call, when you're trying to call fast and furious, it's one word, two words, and, and that's it. And so you can't really, you can't really tag too much stuff on there because then it gets so complicated that, you know, somebody's going to miss a call somewhere. So typically if you're going to tag something, uh, you're more of a huddle team. If you're going to tag something, it's usually one tag word to like change. Like if you want to change from a quick screen to a quick slant, you would just change, you would just add a tag word to the end of Superman. And now you got inside zone with a slant instead of inside zone, instead of normal inside zone with a quick screen. So uh, it's just all it's just all on how really you how fast you want to get that information and how simple you want to make it one word is very simple they just have to kind of memorize uh, an offensive lineman has to memorize hey they have to memorize themes hey if i hear a superhero i'm blocking inside zone all right if i hear these three i'm blocking to the right if i hear these three i'm blocking to the left and uh, you know trying to make it as easy as possible
1: uh, Josh what questions do you got right now uh, the first one
0: is, why the hell doesn't Iowa run this?
1: <laughs> uh, uh, they, they haven't
0: called me yet. And uh, more importantly, we've talked about what the offense is doing. On the counter, how does the defense attack this?
2: Well, a lot of times you'll see defenses, uh, you know, you can't really, you know, conventional wisdom would say just bliss the hell out of it and, and destroy the read. And, and sometimes they will do – um, if you have a lot of post-snap RPOs, you'll see teams bring edge pressure to the mesh point and try to really just force the quarterback into indecisiveness, um, more so than you know, getting a hit on him. They they, they really just want to put pressure on the quarterback to, to make him make a mistake. But what you'll see a lot of linebackers do is they creep up, but they don't really go. And they kind of just, when I say slow play, they kind of just sit in that no man's land to where Quarterback is really just kind of unsure of what to do, and then uh, they they leave themselves in a position where they can make a play on the ball, and they sacrifice a yard or two so that they don't get beat for twelve, fifteen, or even or even a house call. So um, it's uh, you know really it's just a little bit less aggressive of approach so that they can uh, minimize the minimize the damage. And, and hope for an incompletion.
1: Okay, so w- one of the things that I would be worried about, as uh, you know, especially as an offensive, as, as a former offensive lineman, would be that when um, if, if you're calling something where it's let, let's say an inside zone, but it also has some sort of you know inside zone run, but it also has like a, I don't know, let's say like a, a, a smash concept or some other some other passing concept there, I would worry about the offensive line getting too far downfield. Um, especially if you're, you know, conditioned to run block for something like that. How do you combat that?
2: Well, first of all, uh, you make calls to where you can guarantee that the ball is going to get out of his hands quick. Mm-hmm. Um, if not, that's on the quarterback. Um, also, in high school, you have about a three yard, and, and maybe college. College has college has,
1: th- college has a college uh, has offensive lineman can go up to three yards downfield. Same, um, same with high school, and, I've, yeah. I've and NFL's all- one, NFL's only one yard.
2: Yeah. and I've seen it called only once um, on the high school college level because a pulling guard uh, got about eight yards upfield before the quarterback made a throw but uh, <laughs> but usually no usually you see pretty simple uh, passes because they want it to be a high percentage completion rate so they they usually have something to where it's an easy toss um, out there and, or wherever he's throwing it to like You'll see a lot of stick routes where it's, uh, you know, it's like a 45-degree hitch route where they're just running to about a seven-yard depth and just sitting and flashing his numbers to the, to the quarterback, and the quarterback can just easily just pull it and, and rip it in there to him. Um, harder concepts like smash and things like that, um, usually for more advanced teams that are really good at the simple stuff and can do that kind of stuff and can run those kind of concepts, um, we're not there yet we're we're still only uh, as far as hillwood goes we're still only at the pre-snap leverage point of it and then getting getting comfortable reading uh, pre snap and hey can our two beat there too so uh, to combat offensive alignment getting so to answer your question uh, just call quick stuff and uh, you know tell your offensive alignment do not worry about that if you get up field it's 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 one of the hazards of the play we'll take the penalty we'll we'll make sure we'll get after the quarterback on that point it's not your fault you just block your ass off
1: all right um and so uh, one of the things I want to know is that um you know what sort of person I mean obviously it's going to depend on what kind of uh personally having a team but what are sort of like the, the standard packages are we getting you know um like you know uh you know, 11 sets or, you know, more four wide receiver, five wide receiver things, what, are, what can we be expected? Um, what kind of personnel should we expect as we see uh, the R- RPO become more and more commonplace?
2: Well, it, it, it goes within your overall philosophy on offense. Um, if, you're a, if you're a heavy power team and you're a heavy 11 personnel, 21 personnel team, you'll see a lot of RPOs to the back, to like the fullback or to the tight end. Uh, you'll see a lot of those uh, what they call pop, which is really just a quick seam um, in there. What you saw a lot out of uh, Oklahoma and the Rose Bowl is actually they used their tailback, they used their running back, uh, and they would they would bolt him out to to one side or the other. They would get in a three by one set. Uh, they'd be in twenty personnel. They'd get in a three by one set, um, and uh, they would they would they would dart. Uh, and just send the, the tailback in motion uh, in a direct path towards the, uh, towards the three receiver side. And they would throw a little bubble screen out there. Well, uh, you would see Baker Mayfield uh, flash to the bubble screen. And, and he's knowing he's he's no pre snap. Their conflict defender um, is that backside outside linebacker, or that backside uh, box linebacker, as, as I mentioned before, the backside inside linebacker. Um, and he's reading him. So he's going to send that back in motion he's reading him if he runs with him pre-snap he's gonna flash to the he's gonna flash fake to the to the bubble and then he's gonna run a counter uh back the other way you're gonna you're gonna pull two linemen and you're gonna run that counter to the back side i think he ran it like twice i don't know why they only ran it twice uh but he i think he got the first time he got about 40 yards and the second time he got about 12 and they went away from it but um you know, it just it just makes that linebacker think, okay, uh, what do I do? And if he doesn't run, uh, there was one time where he didn't run and he just flipped it out there. Uh, luckily, the the DBs got off blocks and made a play before it really got any, you know, before it really got bad. But uh, you know, that that's you know one way with motioning to read a conflict defender pre snap. So um, to answer your question it, again, it just. You know they use Mark Andrews a lot. Mark Andrews is probably one of the best tight ends uh, coming out in this year's draft. Uh, they use him a lot on those pop screens or those pop RPOs, or, or they'll get him in a in a three by one or what we call trips uh, set, and then he'll run that stick concept I mentioned earlier. So uh, te- teams like Texas A and M, teams like Baylor, teams like Arizona, they use a lot of. Two by two wide receivers, or they'll use a lot of empty sets, which they have five wide receivers lined up out there and they'll just run quick screens, slants, and hitches all night long uh, and, and run with the quarterback, especially Arizona with uh, Khalil Tate they'll they'll run him on a quarterback zone and they'll they'll look out there and throw a fast screen uh, to you know to any one of their wide receivers. Uh, one of the big things that Texas A m did and what Arizona's going to do under Kevin Sumlin. Is that they have uh, they have five different fast screens that they run to their wide receivers, and that's kind of what they that's kind of their bread and butter, as so to speak. And they'll just look out there, and uh, they'll even call it at the line. They'll say their 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 code word is key one or key two. So they'll they'll just give a little signal like turning the key, and then they have some other symbol that signifies what number it is, and then they just they just fire it out there. Um if they got the leverage. So um it's uh I, I see the lot out of ten personnel. Uh and I see a lot of it out of eleven personnel.
0: Um so, uh, so I well I got a question. Yeah, please um, go ahead. Related to the personnel. So uh when I think of offensive schemes, I think of you play to your strengths, but you also cover up your weaknesses. For instance, the option really good for teams that can't get as big of offensive linemen. That's why all the academies use it. Mm-hmm. What are the weaknesses the RPO is covering up for these teams that like to run it?
2: Um, well, it's it's protecting them against stacked boxes. Uh, because if you stack a box, you can just throw a pass out there and you have numbers, and it's going to gash the defense. So basically what RPOs do is they force they stretch defenses horizontally. So they really just kind of open up creases. Um, they're not really – I'm not going to really say they're masking a lot of weaknesses. It's just opening up run lanes and making things clearer for the running back. And then once – and it forces a defense into you know, making a decision. You know, do we want – you know, do we want to over-defend the pass, make them run and rally to it, or vice versa? You know, do we feel good about our coverage skills with our corners or safeties or whoever they're – whoever the defenders are on the perimeter. Do I, do we feel good, you know, and really just kind of finding and, and really just kind of finding that one defender that you can pick on and go pick on him.
1: Um, one of the things I you, you know, you mentioned uh, Oklahoma and Texas a and a little bit. What are the, um, what are some of the college schools uh, that are, you know, utilizing this the most and the most effectively right now?
2: Oh, um Can I say everybody? I think everybody's using. (laughs) I think that's
1: a bit uh, of a cop-out, but who's doing it
2: most effectively? Most effectively, uh, probably Oklahoma. Uh, Most effectively, probably Oklahoma. They probably had the biggest variety um, of schemes. I would say, when I say everybody, everybody's doing a pre-snap RPO. I think every single game I've watched, every single college, every single highlight I've watched, they've done some sort of pre-snap fast screen RPO. Um, the, the more effective ones, the, the ones that use it more, uh, and more, uh, vertically Arizona under rich rod used more vertical concepts in the RPO, uh, Texas A&M uses more of, uh, they attack the second level a lot. Like you have first level is your defense line, second level is your linebackers, third level is your DBs, uh, Texas A&M and now Arizona, Kevin Sumlin, uh, he goes after the linebackers a lot. Um, and then um, Arizona under Rich Rod, Oregon, they go after the, uh, the safeties. And then, uh, you know, you see teams like, you see a lot of SEC teams go after, you know, defensive ends. Um, More okay. of a zone read with a pre-snap fast screen uh,
1: attached to it is, is kind of what a lot a of, lot of teams employ. Okay, so let's say let, let's say you have this zone read with a fast screen attached to it. Um, does that mean that w- so the ball so basically the ball is snapped and then the quarterback is what looking at the conflict defender to see what he does in order to choose whether to hand it off or to throw the screen?
2: No, uh, he's looking pre-snap whether to throw the screen or not. Uh, okay, pre, pre-snap if he likes his look out there, um, mm-hmm. whatever screen they have on, whether it's bubble, fast, or some sort of short tunnel screen or whatever whatever mm-hmm. they have called out there. Um, if he likes it, he pulls off the run right now and throws it out there, and the
1: running back just goes like he's
2: getting it and The offensive line. Knows so is,
1: he, is he making an audible call, uh, like, before the ball is snapped, or is he, is no, he the only person? No. He,
2: he's the only person that knows if he's throwing it or not, and he just stepped back. Uh, the receiver thinks he's getting it every time. The running back thinks he's getting it every time. The linebacker – or the, the offensive line thinks – they're blocking whatever however they're told to yeah whatever run play you call Mm -hmm. so um nobody knows except the quarterback on a pre-snap read and the quarterback is just simply just going to step back clear clear himself of the of the tailback and just rip it out there and the receiver better be expecting it and uh and then uh the zone read aspect of it is your double option do i give it or do i pull it and replace that defender
1: Okay. Um so is there I, I I'm taking it then, judging by what you're saying that uh there's not a is how much motion, uh pre snap motion is used in offices that utilize a lot of RPO? Uh is it sort of more or less than a more traditional um, you know, offense, whether it's uh you know, a pro style eye formation kind of thing or a spread o- or a spread option? Uh
2: I would say it's used probably more. More? More than a pro style, um, no different than like a spread option team.
1: And um, are in, our, in our, uh, our, our, a lot of times, are are you are you sending guys in motion in order to um, sort of uh, to, to determine what 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 the conflict defender um, or other guys at second and third level are going to be to be doing in order so you can make that decision, or is that just sort of built in no matter what?
2: No, a lot of times it's well, it's built in. But the reason it's built in is to uh, to influence the conflict defender to go ahead and make a decision, so that you can know pre snap what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, in a pro style and in a pro style offense, motion is typically used to uh, gain a leverage advantage or to get the defense to reveal what kind of coverage they're playing. Mm-hmm. Usually, usually motion is okay. I'm going to see if they're playing manner zone here. So I'm going to motion this receiver across the formation and see if they either drop or they come with him. And that determines the coverage, but in an RP in a spread option team, uh, you're trying to see how they're going to react to your run. You're, you're trying to see what the safeties are going to do with the motion. And typically it's, you know, typically it's like pitch relationship type motion and things like that. But with an RPO, you're just literally seeing how this guy, how this one guy is going to react. Your conflict defender, which if you're if you're using motion, typically it's a linebacker that you're picking on. Uh, you're going to see is he bumping, is he stand, is he is he kind of playing at no man's land? Um, is you know what what is he doing pre snap? And do and if I send this guy in motion, do I have leverage now? Do I do my numbers improve? Yes. Okay, I'm just going to throw it out there if that guy goes flying with them, okay, great. I just give it and and, and play the next down.
1: Josh?
0: Yeah, I was thinking, uh, and I don't know if you know this, Coach, because this might be kind of a newfangled thing, but football is a very, very, like, repeat-oriented league where things fall in and out of fashion. It's It's very rare that we've had, like, a truly – Genuinely unique thing since you know the seventies, eighties. Yeah, things uh, are kind of cycling. So I was just wondering, uh, what's the origin of this? Um, is this something that you know? I don't know. Maybe some of those uh, West Coast offenses. Is this something that Bill Walsh might have had components of that have been tweaked recently, or, or what's the
2: origin of this? Uh, the the earliest origin that I know of actually is. Brett Favre doing it out of boredom. Um, <laughs> honestly, he pre-snap he would he would tell his backside receiver, "Hey, run a look screen or, or run a look slant." And what a look slant is is just with a typical slant, you go one, two, three up the field and then break at a forty-five degree angle uh, towards the ball. Uh, with the with a look slant, you're you're going right now. Uh, 45 degrees. You're not going upfield and you're just going right now. So he would tell his guy to do that every single play, every single time they had a run called away from him. he said, run a look slant. And uh, eventually the defense would get lulled into sleep. Like thinking he ain't going to throw this. And then he would just fling it out there. He would pull off the run, and just fling it out there. Uh, he did it against the Seahawks one time and, and got some actually, I think Donald driver was the recipient and he scored from 61 yards out because Nobody really expected him to get the ball. Um, but he started doing that in, like, the mid-90s where he would just, you know. And he, and he said he he started doing it uh, because he just got bored handing off at practice. So he would just, you know, fake out there. And then he decided, hey, why don't we, you
1: know, why don't you just do this? And it worked out. Um, yeah, it, you know, to me it, it seems interesting that, you know, five years ago, we were all talking about, oh, the spread, the spread, the spread, the spread is infiltrating everything. And it seems, I'm not saying the spread's gone away, but it's just, it seems to have evolved from when, you know, with, with a spread option, you were usually optioning essentially um, a defensive end or an outside linebacker. And you're just moving that option from a post-snap read to a pre-snap read onto, you know, a different part of the field. If that makes let, let,
2: let me Let me clarify this too also. Spread is more of a philosophy. It's not really a system, you know, because usually you have spread option, spread RPO, you know, it, usually when somebody says I run spread, well, what type of spread? What do you do out of your spread? Spread is just to me, and you'll probably get a million different answers, but to me, when somebody says spread, okay, this, this is a person that likes to use formations and stress the defense horizontally. That's all I get out of it when they say spread. Mm-hmm. Could be a spread option team where you're, you know, like New Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. they were a spread option team, they were a spread triple option team where they would get in spread formation and they would run variations of the triple option. Um, you know, Arm started it. using some, they've started using some spread spread option uh, concepts. Oregon's a spread option team. Um you know, they, they predicate mostly on, uh, you know, run-run options.
1: Whereas the, the the Pirate is a, is, is a spread air-raid team.
2: Yeah, he's a spread air-raid team, which he's going to get empty sets and just throw uh, vertical routes and short routes, and he's, he's just throwing the ball. There's no run option at all. Uh, there's barely any run options. There might be a couple that he has built in, but for the most part, he's just flinging it around the yard. And then you have spread... You have power spread teams which they're gonna stretch you out and get in twenty personnel and run power.
1: Who would be an they, example of who would be an example of a team that does that?
2: Uh, Auburn. Okay. Auburn runs a lot of Auburn's a power spread team, or they're actually they're a spread wing T almost. they because they still run Buck Sweep. Mm-hmm. They but they'll spread you out, they'll get in twenty personnel uh and they'll, they'll, they'll get 20 personnel, but they'll, they'll split their wide receivers way out there and they'll, they'll create a verticals. – they'll create a horizontal stretch to the defense uh, almost to the fact that sometimes they get a five-man box and they start pulling linemen and they start running. You know, they get a six-man box to, a, to, a, to 20 personnel. That's, that's great numbers.
1: Oh, yeah. 20 personnel, for those of you out there listening who aren't aren't so sure, that means you have two running backs and no tight ends. Yeah. Um, If someone says 12 personnel, that means you've got one running back, two tight ends. It's just the the, the amount of running backs and tight ends you have on the field, and the rest are going to be wide receivers.
2: Yeah. And sometimes Auburn will get in 22 personnel, but they'll line up in like a wide 3-by-1 or a wide Mm 2-by-2, which – uh, those of you listening at home that are unsure what I say when I say three by one, it's three receivers to one side. You know, you have four receivers and three of them are on one side and one is on the other. So uh, they get in a lot of, like, funky wide formations. Um, I call them stupid splits because, you know, it kind of puts those edge box players. And when I talk about the box, I'm talking from tackle to tackle, uh, five yards depth. Uh five, six yards depth, uh, but they'll get these stupid splits, like to the wide side of the field, you'll have, you'll have two stack receivers, but they're lined up outside the numbers. You know, when, when you're, when you're on the opposite, when the ball's on the opposite hash, uh, which is a ton of space. And you'll see, sometimes you'll see linebackers, they'll play kind of in that no man's land where it doesn't look like they're covering anybody, but they're still trying to keep somewhat box integrity and it really just kind of pulls them out of the play. And then they'll, they'll run some sort of power scheme back towards the other way and take him completely out of the play by alignment. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, when you hear spread, it's just it's more of a philosophy, you know, we're going to spread the field. Because a okay. uh, flex bone team is going to try to compact you and flank you. Uh, Wing T teams are going to compact you and, and just have so much going on in the backfield that uh, – To
1: confuse
2: you, they're predicated on, you know, compacting you and then uh, using misdirection to confuse you. Flexbone teams are, uh, they compact you, outflank you, and force you to play. Uh, I hate this word because it sounds so cliche, but assignment football. You know, you got to do your job and you can't be over aggressive. And then spread teams force you to defend every inch of the width of the field that's just kind of their philosophy. And then, so you have different subsects within that, that, you know, that's what tells you what kind of team they are We're a spread option team. We're a spread array team. We're a spread RPO
1: team. And so I, I guess that, that could sort of lead to my next question, Corey, is that, can you, can you run RPOs out of pretty much any formation?
2: Yes, you can. Um, Yes you can as, as long so as you, you don't can.
1: have to be in you know 11 personnel out of the shotgun to run RPO you can no, be no, no. you could be in 22 you could be in 22 personnel and still running RPOs
2: Yeah like like we did a we did a pre snap RPO last year uh, at Hillwood with uh, 21 personnel uh, oh. we we just had two receivers mm-hmm. uh, and we had a tight end a wing and a, and a running back. And we ran a pre-snap RPO. It was a quick bubble screen. It's just a leverage. is a pre-snap leverage RPO. Does R2, can R2 beat their two? You know, is, is the, is the guy that we can't block out there? Can he make the play? If no, then we throw it out there. If he can, then we just run the ball. Um, and w- we were considered at one point, uh, we would have considered ourselves a a spread wing T or shotgun wing T so you you know i've seen a couple wing T teams do it you can't so, get to the, the complexity of it goes way down uh, the tighter your formations are but or the or the more heavy
1: your personnel is so when you're saying when Wisconsin runs their favorite 32 personnel out there it makes it a little bit more complicated
2: yeah, yeah, it it kind of it kind of muddies the water, so to speak, uh, when you have all those people in the box, you know, defending your thirty-two personnel package. But uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility because you could probably, honestly, you could run a you could run a little scene, pop and read a read a safety or mm-hmm. you know read the safety coming down uh, in that thirty-two personnel package. So that wouldn't be too bad. But you know, you know, better be in shotgun or. You ain't reading anything.
1: Josh?
0: Yeah, so we asked uh, what teams are the best at running this. I'm so curious about the defensive ends. What are the best teams so far that have stopped
2: this? Uh, The teams that are the best at stopping it are usually the ones that can force a couple of turnovers and then uh, hold the ball after that. Um, What The the difference – I'll use the Rose Bowl as an example. Uh, the difference in what Georgia did was that they they slanted more with their front. Uh, they didn't do any sort of complex blitzes. Uh, they they told Roquan Smith to stay put and read late because you're good enough to read late and still make the play. And then they forced Baker Mayfield into some indecisive plays, and then that was that – was, able to be the difference in the game uh, and then of course special teams but uh, usually it just comes with a lot of force and turnovers, truthfully.
1: Mm-hmm. And obviously having uh, hyper athletic guys on the second and third level helps helps mm-hmm. that. So if you look at a yeah. team like I, I mean I would imagine someone like a Clemson would be very good uh, would be very good at that just because they have so many great athletes back there.
2: Yeah, if, if if you can if you can come out in a four-two-five, you, if you can maintain a six-man box and cover uh, effectively the pass, uh, then then you'll be you'll be more, way more successful than than uh, than otherwise. If if you get stuck with a five-man box, you're screwed because they're just going to run it up. They're just going to run it down your throat. But, um, but if you can defend the pass with a six-man box effectively without getting pressure on the quarterback then, then you're going to be you're going to be doing all right. All right, Josh, you got any other questions? Huh? No, I
0: don't. That that felt pretty exhaustive. And coach, thank you so much for doing this. Yes,
1: coach, thank you. I, I really appreciate it. I feel like I know a lot more now, not just about the RPO, but I felt like that insight on, on, on the spread was actually uh very helpful as well. The sort of uh understanding things.
2: Yeah, I mean it you know, it goes a long way in helping kind of people understand that, you know, go beyond just hearing the buzzword, oh spread. Oh, I'm spread. Hey, I'm a spread. I'm a spread. Like, if someone, if someone asks me, and I know they don't know a whole lot about football, like what kind of offense you're running, I'll just go with the standard spread. Like, growing up, when, when people would ask me where I'm from, I'd just say Atlanta. I would not bother to say Fayetteville unless they knew. And I would know if they knew by their follow-up question. So, mm-hmm. I usually just spread as kind of that stock answer, kind of like where you're from. You just say the, next, the, the closest big city. And just say hey, I'm from there, uh, when really you're not. Uh, I'm, I'm rewatching Texas A&M right now, and they just ran. They actually just ran an RPO. Uh, Tremont Williams just about scored. He he ripped off about a seventy-something yard run. But what they did was they were in twenty personnel. They ran a counter. So what they did was they they bolted the other running back. They were in a two-back split, uh, twenty personnel. They had, they had two to the right, one to the left. Uh, they bolted the 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 running back, the the left halfback. They bolted him out, and then you saw the out. You saw the box linebacker run with him, and as soon as that box linebacker ran with him, the quarterback knew, hey, I'm going to give it, and they pulled two linemen. They were in a counter play, and he just gassed him for about seventy one yards. That's Travion Williams. Not-
1: now, to be fair, this is they are playing. You're watching the, uh, the Texas A&M UCLA game. Yes, I, I think UCLA gives up seventy yard, seventy one yard runs like it's you know um, like they're going out of style. I mean, yeah, let's face it, they are. They they, they couldn't they couldn't tackle freaking Pop Warner running back this year, much no. less a, a competent D one starter.
2: They just ran another uh, one of one of Texas A&M's staple. Uh, red zone RPOs they just ran. They call it uh, what do they call it? They call it crash. They'll just say crash. And uh, it's basically uh, what I what I just mentioned to you is is the look is the look slant. Uh, but it's like they come they basically go a yard off the ball. They run one step upfield and they come straight down the line. And then the inside guy runs a corner out. And they, they run inside zone with it and they pull off of it. And they just they just scored on that. It's pretty cool. Um, but to clarify also, Chip Kelly, the new UCLA coach, uh, mm-hmm. based on our discussion about um, what types of spread, he's spread mm-hmm. option. Yep. He is a spread option team. Absolutely. And they, use a lot, they use a lot of play action. So he's a spread option team, which he'll use inside zone he'll 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 do a zone read. He'll do uh, a jet read where he where he runs the jet shuffle shuffle and you know I think it's the it's the backside box linebacker um, and if he if he fires then he'll pull it and replace. If he stays, he'll give it a uh, tight deal and then they they do they do a lot of that. And they do a lot of play action off the jet sweep. They'll shuffle shuffle and drive back and then then throw Uh, vertical routes they do a lot of vertical switch routes off of the jet sweep it's really really neat to watch
1: sweet all right coach well uh thank you for guiding us us through that today Uh, we appreciate Mm -hmm. the tutorial um josh any any final words here
0: no, it's still uh still sinking in and I can only say it again, thanks so much for doing this, Coach.
1: Yeah, thank you, Coach. We really appreciate it. Yeah,
2: no problem, gosh. I uh anytime anytime you give me a chance to ramble on about football and schemes and kind of what we're doing, I you know, I can't I can't complain one bit.
1: Well, uh, you, you brought us into the weeds and you got us out of the weeds with some, with, with a lot of that stuff. So I really appreciate it. Uh, hope the audience out there did too. I'm I'm, I'm sure that they did. Uh, I want to send a shout out to uh, my dear grandmother uh, celebrating her 90th birthday today with our podcast number one fan, my aunt Sally, and my parents as well. They're all down in Greenwich, Connecticut. So uh, I know they'll be listening to this pod uh, tomorrow when it comes out. So uh, shout out to to Denny for to 90 years happy Happy birthday! Uh, yeah, and happy
2: birthday, Denny! Yeah, mm-hmm. and
1: uh, on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up here for the night. So,
2: yeah. hey, hey, guys, one one last nugget I'm going to leave you with. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you're curious about the whereabouts of Steve Spurrier Jr., uh, he will be joining the pirate. He'll be boarding the pirate ship up in up on the Palouse. He's been named as the outside receivers coach.
1: Uh, Jim McElwain, speaking of wide receivers coach, is now the wide receiver coach at Michigan. Yeah,
2: offense, offensive coordinator in waiting, too, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, uh,
0: when you're going to re- fix the 100 and some ranked offense, you hire the head coach that oversaw the 100 and something else ranked <laughs>
1: team in America. Obviously. That makes
2: sense, um, that makes sense
1: right? Yeah. And uh, Chris Winkie is going to be the running backs coach at Tennessee. You know, he just turned 65. And I would, that would, that honestly would not surprise me in the least. I mean, he, I mean, he was already collecting social security benefits when he got the Heisman. (laughs) No kidding. That's funny. um, But anyhow, yeah, I think that is going to do it for us here today on the show. So, uh, on behalf of uh, our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton, here in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up in the windy city of Chicago, Illinois. This is the professor in Nashville saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Oh yeah! Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.